Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. We'll be turning to Acts chapter number 20 tonight. Acts chapter 20. Amen. I'm going to read three verses, 28 through 30, and then you can be seated. Paul writing says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves. And to the flock, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the word, asking you, God, that you would anoint and bless the word as it goes forth. I pray that, God, you would open the hearts and minds of your people, that, Lord, it would find lodging in our hearts and souls tonight, would further us in our walk with you, encourage us and strengthen us, O Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray right now. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. I want to speak tonight, use this subject, and we're going to go with it and uh, uh, try to follow a little format and get in the teaching mode here. I want to teach on this subject, the six most destructive sins we deal with, the six most destructive sins that we deal with. I believe that could fit in real well tonight. I mean, you think about all the things that bother you, and um, I want to talk about some of those things tonight. Paul is speaking here. I may go back and pick up these verses just a little bit, and then from there go on. Paul is speaking to the Ephesians church here. And really, when, when, when I began to read this, I thought, this, does this not sound like the church is going through, what the church is going through in our day right now, what we're going through? The devil is throwing everything at the church that he can in this day. I, I dare to say that many of us has been tempted and tried this past year more than we have ever been tried. In a lot of different ways, maybe that we've never been tried before. And uh, so it seems like, you notice, the, the, he, he don't, today it seems like there's, there's been no time for rest or a time to recoup from the last trial. Has that felt that way to you this year? 
you know, you know more and get through with one thing and there's another already in the wing waiting just to take its place. Uh, it seems like it's been that way. And he always tries to keep our mind on the negative side. I, th I think, I'm going to pull this off, y'all. It's warm up here. Uh, in fact, I think Pastor might, might have said something about that. Maybe, maybe this past week, I'm not sure when it was that he come up and, and he was talking about the, how, you know, we think on the negative side. And... Uh, and, and it seems like that's, and I know that Brother Mason spoke a few weeks ago about how the, this thing had affected him more than he thought. It was, it was on the negative side. And there has been, and, and, and if you watch TV, you know there, there has been a fear. You know, Dr. Fauci, and he gets on there and goes through his little spiel, and by the time you get all these negative and how many people's had COVID and how many's this and how many's that you're all man you, you know what little bit of that you had built up from church you've done lost now it's it's another just another trial another test man and and then it comes you know it, it begins to pile up and and he always deals on the negative side so you know, then, then these things began to come to us, you know, well, Lord, hey, I'm, maybe I'm just spinning my wheels here. You know, especially if you're not rooted and grounded in church. There's probably these little things that enter in and say, hey, I'm, this, I'm not sure this is worth it. I mean, I've heard people that, you know, just freshly come to the Lord and, you know how it is when you first come to the Lord. If, you, if you've not ever, well, haven't grown up in this, and and seems like when the trials began to hit, and they will, because you know he's not wanting to lose you. He's wanting to. Satan is wanting to just keep you right where you're at. He don't like losing you to the Lord. So when you go that way, then the first thing he does is start working on the mind. Well, you know, this is no, no better than it was. You might as well just give up on this. It's, you know, this is not a very good picture. And so the negative thoughts come, you know. What next? What's going to happen? Hey, it was easier when I was living for the devil. It's, it, this is hard, you know, and... and uh, uh, it's just a never-ending battle. Anybody ever felt like it's a never-ending battle? Even Christians felt it was a never-ending battle. And then, then the, the thing that probably, you know, really breaks her back is, you know, well, God don't love me. He, he's, he don't love me anymore, you know. You know, and then... Especially those that's had some problems maybe in their life that's, uh, you know, that they're having trouble with anyhow. Well, I need a smoke. You know, I, I need something to take care of this. It'll, it'll calm my nerves. Or I, I need a drink to get rid of my worries, you know. I'm, hey, I need something. I need a pill to take care of me, you know. So... It goes on and on, and he's really trying to keep your mind off of the main thing. You know, I always like what Brother Sizemore used to always say, and he, it, was, it was a thing that he brought up just every now and then. 
in his ministry said, Ois, you got to keep the main thing the main thing. That's the, that's the part of being a Christian that you've got to do. you got to keep the main thing the main thing. And that's what it is. It's a kingdom of God that the enemy wants you to get your mind off of the kingdom of God and start looking around because the lights start looking brighter, you know around you then walking this old drudgery road and I've got all these problems and everything just piling up on me. So so he's 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 going this way. But I want you to notice that Paul said, take heed to yourselves. Now I want you to notice who he's ministering to in these first few verses that I've read. He is speaking to the ministry of the church. He says, take heed there unto yourselves and to all the flock. He's talking to the pastor and he's talking to the flock, to to the church or talking to the pastor about the flock, over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseer. He says to feed the church of God. So let me tell you, this don't just go from here back. It starts up here. Whether you believe it or not, it starts up here. The the enemy thinks if I can get the preacher, if I can get the minister, then I've got a good chance of getting the church to getting the people. If I can get him discouraged, if I could get him tore down, if I could just wipe the smile off of his face, then I've got a chance. But as long as he keeps encouraged and is encouraging the flock, then my chances are null. That's, that's, so the Lord's just, let, Paul's just letting us know that this starts in the pulpit. For he said, I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. And we know that, that in, in the midst of Church, not everybody that comes through our doors is here to encourage and strengthen you. Even though they may say they're a Christian. You know, the Bible says we've got to prove them. We've got to know them. Amen. So, he, uh, he, he lets us know that. And then the verse 30 says, Also of your own selves shall men arise. Speaking perverse things. And notice what he says. To draw away disciples after them. In other words, he's saying that in the midst of all your turmoil, in the midst of all your trouble, there's going to be someone that's going to come in your church and he's going to try to draw you away from the church. His business is to get you out of church. There, there is people that come into church to draw somebody out of church. And uh, we've got to be careful. And there are some sins that I want to talk about tonight that I think will help us along our way. Uh, that w- if we recognize sometimes, it will help us. I am going to, I will be reading Acts 20 and 31. Um, and, and, and then we'll get, into, we'll get into the first sin, okay? He says, Acts 30, or Acts 20 and verse number 31 says, Therefore, watch 
Everybody said watch and remember. Remember those watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. Now, the first sin that we want to talk about that is one of the most destructive sins that we deal with is carelessness. Now, I'll, you know, carelessness is failing to stay alert. <laughs> uh, see, it means not exact and thorough. We're not careful. We're, you know, be careful in all things. You know, we've got to be careful. And, and failing to stay alert. Failing to stay alert. We must watch around every corner because I want to tell you the devil's waiting on you. He's waiting in the school for you kids. Come on. And believe it or not, he's, he's waiting in some store for you ladies and men. Come on. He's got someone running around there just to talk to you. To say something negative or to some way tear you down or to discourage you or to trouble you. And he's got, he's got someone there. So we got to be careful. Everybody said careful. Man, and I, I, I'm open tonight. If some of you want to add something, just raise your hand. I'll call on you. You may want to add something you could thought or think about in being careless. Being careless. Anybody want to say anything about being careless? All right, nobody does. Okay. See, what it is sometimes is we forget the price that others, somebody said others, somebody say forefathers, have paid who have marked the path. I want you to know that I didn't come in this blind, and I'm, you know, up in the years. I'm in my 70s. Sister back there, she's in her 80s. I'm going to tell you, Sister McGee's in her 70s. I'm going to tell you, we've got to be careful because we, there is ones that have went before us that have marked the path before us, so we don't need to forget what that path was. Now, I have seen, and this bothers me, Sister Sheila, but I remember some men that I was... Had, had a lot of confidence in. I know men that I had a lot of confidence in that walked before me through this and down through the years, I have seen them get off track. That bothers me. That's why I think it is so important to be careful. Now, you know, I, I really believe that all of you in this church has had truth preached to you. You've had truth taught to you. In the last 32 years that I've been around this church, God has moved and the Lord has taught us right. And we have been preached to right. And we know how to live. Everybody said amen. And, uh, and we've got to mark the path that's set before us and not get off of that path. 
If it was back, if it was good back 60 some years ago, 70 years ago, it's still good today. God don't change. The Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the Bible says there's no shadow of turning in him or no variableness at all. He's not like this. God's like this. He's the same. He, you know, I know that, you know, times change, but God don't change. Styles change, but God don't change. Not every style is wrong. But let me tell you, every now and then the old enemy tries to slip one in there on you just to get you to change. You've got to stay with times. How, how many times have you heard that? You know, you know, I've been told I've outdated, so that's all right. Hey, that's all right. I'll just, hey, I'll be old-fashioned. Amen. So... I've got to remind you of something that I remember the pastor of this church, which was my childhood pastor, that baptized me in Jesus' name. I received the Holy Ghost in this church from Kingsburg, the first church. And my pastor in all those years, he didn't change his beliefs. He still believed the same. He still he still baptized in Jesus' name. He still had that good, sweet spirit, Sister McGee, that he always had. Even when your mom and dad was going there before you was born. That's how long ago it's been. And he didn't change. And I want you to know something, that I had no problem going to his deathbed and praying for Brother Corbett and for Brother Corbett to speak into my spirit and asked me if I would pastor this church on his deathbed. And, of course, I couldn't give him an answer because God hadn't spoke to me too. I was helping the church. And I said, Brother Corbett, the Lord hadn't spoke to me. But if he said, okay, I'll change it, Brother McGee. He said, if God would speak to you, would you pastor this church? I said, yes, sir, I certainly would. He said, I can go to sleep. And within a day or two, he was gone. And I'm going to tell you something. There's not a shadow of doubt in my mind. Brother Mike, that Brother Corbett stepped through the portals of glory. <laughs> Woo! In fact, I even feel goosebumps from that. I have this in my spirit that that man was right. He taught right. He preached right. And he made it. Everybody said, come on. Everybody said he made it. Now I want you to know something. You know somebody like that in your life that has walked that road and there's not a shadow of your doubt. They have passed from this life, but there's not a shadow of doubt in your mind that they didn't make it. You know without a shadow of a doubt. How many how many's got somebody like that in your life? Maybe your grandma, grandpa, whatever. Amen. I got a mama and daddy that's gone. Hallelujah. Mama stopped holes through floors of praising God. So I'm pretty sure she made it. Amen. 
So we've got to be careful. Everybody said, be careful. We're living in a, in a who cares world, though. No thought given to the other person. No, you know, it's, it's who can get ahead, how we can get ahead, and who we can take out of the way to get up above them. You know, th this is the kind of world we're living in. So we got to be careful. All right, I got to get busy here. Amen. I want to Acts 20, verse number 32. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give to you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Now, if you're going to build something, you don't just go out here if Brother Cook's going to build a house, he don't go out here and just start the boards on the ground. God put a foundation down first. So Paul's telling us here that we got to build, we got to have a have a foundation to build on. Yeah. Now, brethren, I commend you to God. Paul said, "I'm going to give you to God now," and uh, of the words of His grace, and he said, "I'm going to." which is able to build you up. He said it's able. He didn't say it would. You know, it's up to us. If we, if we take the word, it's up to us how we're going to build our house. Amen. We could build it on the sand or we can build it on the rock. Amen. So the second sin that I want to talk to you about is shallowness. Anybody want to tell me what shallowness means? Nobody want to help me tonight, huh? Shallowness, not very deep, not very deep. Lack of depth, lack of thought, lack of knowledge, and a feeling. If you're shallow, you ain't going to feel like you should. We got to be careful. There must be a balance here between, everybody said prayer. He said, I commend you to God. So there must be a balance between prayer and the word of God. He calls the word of his grace, he says. So there must be a balance between prayer and the word of God. And these must always work together. If you separate them, you're, you're not going to go anyplace. You can read all the word you want, but unless you pray with it, it's not going to help you. Or you can, you can, you, you can't do one without the other. Amen. It's called shallowness. This must always work together. This should be a daily thing. We ought to have a daily time in prayer and a daily time in the Word of God. Amen. I don't know about you, but if I don't get it every day, if I don't get it every day, which I do, some way or other, I'll get it. But I feel bad even if I don't get as much as I usually do. Amen? If, if I don't get some word and if I don't get some prayer, I don't have direction for my day. Now... I know, you know, 
Paul said, early will I see, or David said, early will I seek you, Lord. And that's a good time to do it. It's a good thing to do it the first thing of the morning. It is. It's a good thing. It gives you, it gives you a little enlightenment on your day if you pray of the morning and read your Bible of the morning. Now, maybe I do it a little bit backwards sometimes because a lot of times what I'll do is, well, of course, I'll, I'll read my Bible first of the morning a lot of times and then I'll go work out at the gym and then I'll come back after I've read it. And, and that's all right, but I pray after I read it. I don't care how you mix them, but they've got to be mixed. You can't do without one or the other. If you do without... If you do without the Word of God, then you're doing without your food that day. If you do without prayer, you're doing without your direction that day. How many, how many of you like to make a list of what you're going to do for the day? Maybe in your mind, maybe not physically, but in your mind, there is something that you... See, Trevor says he does. There's a certain amount of things you want to get done and, and I want to ask you something. Does it aggravate you if you don't get it done? So, well, I'm going to do... It's, okay, let's, let's, let's put it this way for, for the kids' sake. If it's something that's going to be exciting, you're going to be with kids or something, you're going to be with you, and it don't happen. That's horrible. <laughs> Friday night isn't going to happen. Something come up. Is it going to be all right? You was going to go someplace where you really kind of liked one of those guys. Still be all right? I don't blame you. I wouldn't answer either. So we gotta, we've got to be prayed up. We've got to be in the Word of God. We need to know them both. We need to know prayer. We need to know the Word of God. We need to know how to pray. And not always. Now I want to say this because... And I got, I got a little bit of niche on this, too, that I, you know, but I know that there's not really a time laid out in the Bible to pray. Although I could take you to the Scripture so many times where it says they went up the hour of prayer. So did they pray an hour? I don't know. But I'm saying, I'm not saying there's a time it's not how long you pray, but it's how you pray. Let me tell you something. A few words can go a long ways to God. Can I say it this way? Sometimes I think for some people, He's just waiting on you to talk to Him. It's not if and when and how much, but I'm just ready to hear from you. Glory. And if we're not careful, we can fall into that sin very easily 
of not reading the Bible and praying. When a person starts to backslide, what do you think is probably the first things they give up? Just somebody, help me out. What do you think? Okay, prayer. Reading the Word. Oh, thank you. Going to church. And, and I've seen people that continue to come. But there's a difference in them. I don't see them involved. We got to be careful because in this shallowness, we will begin to slow down our worship or not worship at all. We will not sing the songs, or if we sing them, they're only words and we're not remembering even what we sung. Let me tell you something. These words have got to mean something to us. Got to do something with it. Shallowness. Now, okay, let's put some verses with that that I think will we'll hang right in here with us. 1 Samuel 12 and 23 says, Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. But I will teach you the good and the right way. Letting us know that we're not only just to pray for us, but we're to pray for somebody else. And he says, Lord, help me if I cease to pray for you. In other words, if I cease to pray for Brother Pat, and sometimes I don't just pray about it, I go see him. You know, I'm comfortable enough to handle. I'll drive up and say, okay, where you been? Going to have to get reintroduced here to church. Come on, church. Come on. Anybody ever let up? You know, you, you, you missed, and the next time, it's easier. And okay, and then throw COVID in the mix. And you're watching it online at home. I'm going to just tell you how I feel like a lot of this thing has happened. Is I believe some people got so used to staying home in their pajamas watching it. That they're still doing it. Well I'm getting church. Whatever happened to Hebrews 10, 24 and 5. Fail not to assemble yourselves together as a matter of some is. And so much more as it see the day approaching. Come on. If, if we're going to obey God, let's obey Him all the way. That means we got to get together. Sister Cox, I need you. We need each other. Come on. I don't care, but, uh, you know, just staying home is not a good thing. You, you, you miss out on fellowship. You know? There's people has got their sanctuary at home. That's fine. Go ahead and have your sanctuary at home. Make sure you got one down the street too, you know. Make sure you come to church. Make sure you come to 1121 Cedar too. You know, it's all right to have your prayer room at home. But you got to come here because I need you and you need me. We're part of the body of Christ. And unless the body is here, it can't function properly. Sister Rhonda, God's got something for you to do. Hey. He may want you to get up and put it in reverse tonight. 
There's something to do. Sister, yeah. Sister Sheila, who knows? He may want you to give a message in tongues tonight. Come on. Yes? Uh-huh. Sister Mariah's got some singing maybe for you to do. Yeah. I don't know. He may need you to run the upstairs. Yeah. Offering to take up. Malandamo. Think all these things. God has given us so much things to do in the church that everybody's got a job. So, we got to be careful. All right. John 15, 7. I'm going to try to hurry along. I don't know where we can get done or not. We may not get through all this. That's all right. Pick it up some other time. John 15, 7. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will, and it shall be done. Does anybody want to pray now? Said, ask what you will, and it shall be done. If we got that connection with him, we can pray in faith that he's going to do it. Oh yeah, come on. If, if we pray in his will, everybody said his will. I think a lot of times we pray out of his will and then we say, I can't understand why God didn't do that for me. My goodness, I've done it. Look, what I've all I've given up for him. And here, what's going on here? God, why ain't you answering my prayer? Be careful. Okay. You're not complete without prayer and the word. Takes both of them. Acts 6 and 4. But we will give ourselves. Everybody said, I'll give myself. Continually to prayer. And to the ministry of the word. Now, that are continually to prayer. I know, you know, some of them, you know. And, and I believe... You know, we, we pray through the day. How many of, the, a lot of ladies I know, they go around work. My wife goes around work and she's praying through the day for people. And I'm, we're, we're, I'm working outside. I'm mowing the lawn. I'm doing this. And I'm whispering a little prayer. And Brother Pat's working on lawnmowers down in the basement. And he's uh, praying for people and, and praying they'll come by. And I did. God answered your prayer. He started walking out the car and started chuckling. He knew why I was there. But if we're not careful and we don't couple this together, you know, if we don't have prayer and pray for the other person. See, what I got to, well, I think, I think, well, let me, let me read that verse one more time. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. I really believe that one of the things that the Lord is trying to get across to us in this verse is, is this is not a part-time job. Well, I'm going to church tonight. I'm going to live for God tonight. You know, I'll, I'll, you know I'm going to be holy tonight. I'm going to talk right tonight. I'm not going to tell no lies tonight. I'm going to sing tonight. I'm going to take up offering tonight. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do tonight. But how about when you get away from here? How are you going to live at work or at school the next day? 
How are you going to witness to people when you see them downtown? Are you going to hold up for God? All right. Hallelujah. All right. We'll get on to number three. Acts 20, 33. I have coveted no man's silver, Paul says, or gold, or apparel. I like what... I like what Barnes' commentary said. He said something that I thought was really good, and I wrote it down. Sister Rhonda, he said, I seek not yours, but you. I thought, that's good. I, not, I seek not what's yours, but I seek you. I, the, you're the one I want, you know. I'm not covetous of what you got, but what I want's you. Yeah. Brother Pat, I, I don't want what you got. I'm not coveting what you got, but what I want you. I want you here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, hey, like that riding lawnmower. I don't need it now, but okay. But, you know, like some you got, but I want you at church. That's what. That's the important thing. So we got to be careful and and not be shallow in this. We've we've not we can't be covetous in this. And and let me being covetous means to desire something that belongs to someone else. We must not be consumed by a controlling desire for what others have. We become worldly when we desire worldly things. Come early when we do. Now I want I want to bring something in here. Let me let me let me talk about covetousness. Now I remember when I first started pastoring this church. I had a good job, making good money, good future, a good retirement. If I waited it out, a real good retirement. And I will never forget, Sister McGee, Brother Paul Poole came to visit us in the first church. We were, he was our missionary at that time. We were backing him. He was also, was our pastor before. He went on missionary field. And I won't forget, he was, he was in from Texas, and well, actually from Mexico because he was a missionary still then. Came in from Mexico, and he, I picked him up and he brought him down. He preached, I don't know, three, four nights for us in the process of that. And Sister McGill got healed at one of those nights. She didn't even really feel like being there. The doctor was treating her for pneumonia at home. And the Lord healed her that night. And... Uh, on the way home, I won't forget what Brother Poole told me. He said, Brother McGee, now I know everything's going good. You've got a good job. I know benefits are good. Things are well. He said, but I want to warn you of one thing. Don't get stuck in the job and never obey the full calling that the God has got on your life. Because we started out very, very small. 
very small. September the 15th, 1990, and I'd started pastoring in April, and there was, when we went there, they was only having one service a week, and that was on Sunday. And so I would help every other Sunday. And uh, then uh, I, I remember after I was voted in as pastor in April of 90, in September we had our first Sunday school. We opened up, we had, man, we thought we was doing great. We had 15 people. And uh, the Lord blessed the church. I don't have to go into that. He blessed our family. Come in, God moved, and we filled the first church up to overflowing. And God moved us to the second church. And, uh, and, I just had been praying about, you know, and I said, I, I'd always remembered what my pastor, Brother Poole, told me. He said, don't, don't let it just suck you in and you decide you're just going to go ahead and keep your job. It would have been easy to just keep my job. Very easy. Insurance was good. Benefits were good. Everything was good. And uh, I remember I worked seven years and pastored too, which made me burn the candle at both ends a lot of the time. And uh, trying to, and it was it was it was loathsome on the church because I couldn't get to ever every time somebody had a surgery, I couldn't be there. You know, it it cut out a lot of things. I if I'd done visits, I had to do them of the night or, or on a weekend, Saturday or something like that. And uh, I remember after seven years and and. Uh, Paul got married, Everybody, all of our kids were, our nests got emptied, and, and I remember walking down the, in a power plant on the lower floor, in between the pulverizers one day, and the Lord spoke to him and said, it's, it's time for you to get out of here. So I called my family together. I believe it was on that Sunday, on that weekend, and we all had dinner at our house. And I sat down and told him, I said, Dad's going to quit his job because I feel like the Lord spoke to me and told me to, that I must go full-time at church. And I did. It would have been very easy for me because of money to just held on to the job. But I knew the Lord had spoke, and, that, and, and really, I remember our manager at that time called me up in his office, and he said, Paul, don't really want to lose you. I hate to lose you. He said, I understand you're going to go full-time pastor. I said, yes. And he said, how about I'll make you a deal why don't you just stay? He said, you, you know, I wasn't all that far from retirement, really. They was, no, it wasn't him. It was, uh, what's the other the one after or before? I don't remember. Uh, Don, yeah, that's it. And Don Snyder. And he said, uh, let me make a deal with you. He said, why not just stay? Or, you know, why not just quit, but 
take a leave of absence, then if things don't work out, you can come back. Boy, don't that sound good. Tickles your ears. Man, this is a win-win situation. But you know what? In the back of my mind, I didn't even have to leave that office or think about it. The Lord just kind of tore at my mind and said, uh-uh. I said, Don, I'm sorry. I can't do that. I said, when I break the ties from this place, I'm going to break the ties. I don't want nobody to have anything to say because before at times whenever... Then I worked in maintenance, and, and it's, it's a pressing thing. You, if, if they want you there sometimes, I mean, it, and it's not a, a no, you can't give them a no answer. And I used to have this one, one supervisor, if he would come to ask me to work over, he loved to ask me, especially on Wednesday night, he'd come and ask me to work over. And I'd look at him and I'd say, you know where I'm going to be on Wednesday night. I've got church yeah, well, there may be a come a time till that ain't going to be good enough. And I'd look back at him and I said, you know, there may be a time where I won't even have to be here. And I reminded him of that the day I left. Because he loved to do that. So we got to not be covetous, all right? Would have been easy stay, but I tried to obey God. Well, pastor done, your pastor done the same thing whenever he had a job in Evansville. He had a good job, making good money, benefits, you know, insurance, all that stuff. But when it got time for Paul, when he was going to come and, and start at the church before I retired, they told him, said, you, you, I'll tell you what, Paul said, we, we, hate, we don't want to lose you. So what we'll do, we'll let you take your computer home with you. And you can work from home and do other things too. Well, does that not sound good? You know, a little money coming in, good money coming in, some benefits still. Don't that sound good? But you know what he said? Can't do it. Come on, church. I'm talking about covenants and we got to obey the Lord. we got to follow after Him. Sometimes it costs a little bit. Or we think it does. But I dare to say if we hadn't made my first move and come where God wanted me to and not coveted that job, that this church wouldn't be as far as it is right now. In fact, we might have lost ground. And it wouldn't be where it is if pastor would have went ahead and kept his job too. Because we've put all every ounce of energy into the church. So that's what we got to do. Can't be covetous about it. I'm, man, i got to hurry. Hallelujah. Can't be covetous. The Bible says this. And, and we, we can't be consumed by controlling desire. And the Bible says this in Matthew 6, 21, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So wherever your heart, your thoughts are, that's where you're going to be, you know. So I don't know about you, but I, I want to be where the church is. I, I want, my side is on the church side. Hallelujah. Acts 20, 34. Let's go. Maybe we can rush through this. Acts 20, 34. 
2034. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities to them that were with me. The fourth sin is laziness. Anybody ever got lazy in church? can't believe pastor asked me to do that. Amen? Lazy is disliking and avoiding work or other activity. Sluggish. Anybody ever felt sluggish in church? When you, you come when you didn't feel like it and you pressed your way in, and once you did, you went home feeling better than you did when you came. Anybody ever went home feeling better than you did when you come? Come to church with a load and went home kind of empty, feeling good? Load lighter, doing good? All right. Sue's grandmother, Camel, used to use this all the time, and I, I, I still use it today. And, and it's so true. She used to say this all the time, idle hands are the devil's workshop. Lord help the person that's doing nothing. Because if they're doing nothing, they're probably doing something they shouldn't be doing. David, in fact, can I, can I prove it Bible-wise? David's idleness caused him to sin. He'd been better off if he'd been out to war. But he stayed and was walking on the housetop looking at things he shouldn't be looking at. Caused him world trouble. The harm that was done to him because of idleness was greater than the harm of the battle. Amen. So laziness is four. Okay, let's go on to five. We can get there. We can do it. Acts 20, 35, and 36. I have shewed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak. And to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. The fifth sin that can be destructive and we deal with is selfishness. And selfishness is nothing more than concern first with one's own advantage without a care for others. There is a lot of selfish people in this world today. I mean, let's face it, we are leaving, living in a greedy world. So greedy that businesses no longer care about your family. They want you to sell out to them and your family is second. They'll tell you it's first because you're making money for your family. Well, how about if I just don't want that much money for my family? Come on, this is where we live. But they'll force you to work. This, there's, you know, 
you got to work. This, this is the world we live in. Yet our forefathers fought for an eight-hour day. And, and I remember when this began to come around, Mike, at the, at the power plant, and the first thing they done was started the 10-hour days. And, and they, some out in the coal yard, they wanted them 10 hours because they got more time stuff off. Next thing you know, the, then, then it was the, the operation said, man, so we can get eight days off in a row we're going to get more time off. So they went 12 hours a day. And I, I told them then, I said, you guys is nuts. Our forefathers worked all these years for eight-hour days, and here you all are giving it up. Do you know what it's going to do? It's going to cause you to work more and more and more, and they're going to make you work more and more and more. And that's, is that not what's happening today? My grandson likes his job, but they split, split his shifts and everything else. He's working all kinds of different kind of hours. I wouldn't like that. You know what? I'd just go down and get me a little a job with not as much money and make less money and spend more time with my family. I don't like that junk. I like to know when I'm going to work. Yeah, I got called in. Yours and maintenance, you're going to get called in. You know, 3 o'clock in the morning or whatever, you, you, you got to work. I know you got to have a job. But if we're not careful, we're tied up so much in our work that there's no place for God in our life. I remember Brother Cook. I remember, I remember he, he made a decision for his family. He worked at a coal mine making good money. I'm going to make him a boss. No, 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 can't do this. They're going to make him work on weekends, Sundays and stuff. He said, mm, no, 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 no. And you know what? I believe they're still making it all right. Come on. Hallelujah. Everybody said hallelujah. hallelujah. That's what we got to do. It's, that thing's turned red back there. I don't know how long it's been red. That means I've been up a long time ago. Anyway, we've got, we got just a little, not much to go. Our walk with God is about giving and not getting. I said about giving and not getting. Notice Paul kneeled down and prayed with them all. Our biggest sin is probably not praying and caring for others as we should. You can't pray if you don't know, though. Now, sometimes us not praying is not our fault. I've run into individuals that would call me and say, I've been in now the hospital. Well, why didn't you call? We don't know to pray. If you, if you don't call, I don't know to pray. You know, if you've got problems and you don't call, that's not my fault. Hey, that's why we got prayer band 24 hours a day. Y'all remember getting prayer bands any hour, night or day, getting prayer band, getting down on your knees and praying? You know, it's hard telling, and I know, we, we know of a lot of people that's been healed through the prayer band. I remember Sister Nadine Dion's sister lived in Ohio. She was in, huh? Daughter. Thank you, dear. Daughter that lived in Ohio. Josephine, they took her in. They was going to do, uh, they was going to do, huh? Appendicitis. They was going to take her appendix out. They called the prayer band. Next day, they let her out. She still got her appendix. 
Come on, church. I'm telling you, that's what God does. But if I don't know, and if you don't know, you can't pray. That's why people need to let their prayer requests be known. If you're not at church, call the pastor and tell him where you're at. And if you're sick, we can't pray if we don't know. All right, I'm going to last one. Here we go. Number six. I don't know how long I've been up here. That thing went off 45 minutes, so I've probably been up here. Hey, I ain't seen pastor come out the door yet. So. Okay. Number six in James 4 and 17. James 4 and 17. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it is a sin. Now, I, I thought long and hard about this today, but I really believe that this sin is probably, probably the most, how can I say, um, this is the most abused sin. I'll say it that way. Because it is the sin of omission. Somebody give me some sins of omission. What's a sin? Knowledge without practice is imputed to a man as presumptuous sin. If we don't act on our feeling, we shall soon cease to feel. Somebody give me some, give me, okay? I'll, I'll give you one, then you can go from there. Stand home, church. You know to be there, and you stay home without a good reason. All right, okay? That's sin of omission. What else? Come on, guys, gals, help me. What's another sin of omission? Not reading the Bible when you know to. Okay? Not living holy? Brother Trevor. Not doing the work when you know you should work. All right. Good. Sins of omission. We've talked about some of them right here. How about prayer? We know to pray, but we don't always do it. You know why? Because it takes time. And time is most precious today. Have you ever seen the like? Time is most precious, yet we got more push-button gadgets, and, and we've got time to get on Facebook and all this other stuff, but no time for God to pray. Okay, anybody else got any others? I'm about, the faster you give me these answers, we'll quit. Reading and studying the Bible, omit it. Take that out of your life. See what that does to your life. You know, there's, there is a difference in reading and studying it. You can read it and not know 10 minutes after you read it what you read. But if you study it, you're going to get something out of it. All right. Somebody else tell me some. Tithing when you don't, when you don't do it, when you know to do it. Okay. 
Uh, what else? Come on, y'all. You know more sins of mission than that. Pray before eating. Worship. When you know to worship. What else? I'm about, I'm, I guess I'm going to have to quit here or something. Oh, thank you, Sister Brenda. We say, Trev, not getting things done when you need to get them done. That's right. Yes, sir. I understand sometimes there's something that comes up that you've, that a family something that comes up and you've, you've got an obligation that's already there. I understand you got. I understand that there's times that, uh, you know, you got to have vacation. I understand that. You know, but there's sometimes that we don't have a good excuse for what we're doing. So we got to watch. Okay. Now, I'm going to turn to Luke chapter 12. And I want to read there, and then we'll close. Luke 12, 47, 48. And that servant which knew his Lord's will, and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. Now, let's go to verse 48. But he that knew not, and didn't commit things worthy of stripes, shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they shall ask the more. So the more you know to serve the Lord, the greater is expected of you. So God does overlook some things. When... When, you're, when you don't know, then God's not holding you accountable. But if you've been taught and you know, He's going to hold you accountable. If Daddy tells you to do something, He's going to hold you accountable for what He tells you to do. If not, you'll have to pay the price. Is that right? Not in a bad way. But he'll let you know that you're supposed to do that. So, now that we know what sins are dangerous to us and destructive to us, hopefully that'll help us in our walk with God. Anybody got anything you want to add? I tried to get you all to add all the way through it. You wouldn't do it. So much for discussion. Yes, I just should have called you out. You know, Pastor called you out. I can remember when I didn't have to call you out, though. So, he that knoweth to do good and doeth that not to him's a sin. You ought to have said something. All right, good. God, thank you. Woo! Gossip. Mercy.
picking the mold out of somebody else's eye when you got one in your own eye. That's exactly right. Not using knowledge when you've got it. You know it. Praise the Lord. Thank you all for helping me tonight. I appreciate it. Hallelujah. Well, hopefully you've received something to help you. Amen. Let's stand. I'll dismiss you and maybe that'll help them in there too. I don't know. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word tonight. Thank you, God, for listening ears, God, of people tonight, your church. We ask you, Lord, to be with us, God, and uh, this week, Lord, let us think upon these things. These are good. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.